Hey dudes, welcome. I'm Merlin. Joining me today is Tori Dory. And the grinder ends. Our regularly scheduled cast members can't join today. But we will endeavor to make your listening experience a pleasurable one. Please sit back, make a drink, and enjoy the Hidden City Roller Derby. Hello everyone, welcome to the Hidden City Roller Derby. I am Tori Adori, aka Bert. I'm with uh, Millen. Say hi Millen. G'day. And uh, the Grinder, uh, aka Enzi. How you doing, man? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, doing well. Uh, so tonight we've got a bit of an anemic cast. Um, fan favorite and regular host Simkoff is uh, out, as well as our uh, co-tire, illustrious co-tire winner Glenn. Uh, he's out as well, so it's just a, a tri-cast tonight, which is a little more dull than usual. But so much more intimate. Mm. Yeah, it's got a fireside chat feel, right? does a bit. Yeah, definitely. Franklin Roosevelt would have been, like, right on this chat. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do... First up, we're going to do a little bit of a longer intro just to let you guys know who the fuck we are, um, given that we've been ranting at you for two hours combined <laughs> without really telling you who we are, so... Um, why don't we start off with Enzi? Uh, How did you get into L5R uh, and why you love it, man? Oh, man, I was back when I was like 14, living in um, the outskirts of Vancouver, British Columbia. I uh, had been playing a lot of Decipher games, so Star Wars, Star Trek, um, that kind of stuff. And Star Wars had died. And uh, Lord of the Rings was kind of out or about to come out. And so people were like, oh, you know, I know you've heard of L5R, try playing this. And so people gave me a unicorn deck and it was gold edition and unicorn was absolute rubbish. So like I can identify with all the current pony players. <laughs> um, and I quickly discarded that in favor of lion, um, which is just tacticians unique. You just crush promises constantly and it felt good. Um, yeah. And then I, I got into Phoenix and Phoenix is what allowed me to kind of become a half decent player. So my first Cote, I went down to Seattle. I was 15. Um, and I ended up getting fourth place, um, playing a morning glory castle Phoenix recursion deck using two retainers to kill my guys and bring them back from the dead using the stronghold. Uh, dirty boy. (laughs) You dirty boy. I I played honor runners for years. Um, and I've I've been the bridesmaid at a lot of lot of cotes in <laughs> Northwest, and I've I've never won one. So, yeah, it's, I'd like to say that my my time is due, but not quite there. And why why am I called the Grinder? Well, that's that's from from Tori Dory here. Uh, he named me the Grinder after our uh, first new five R tournament, uh, CanCon, back in January, where I you know what I lose two, and then I just I ground out. And, and made it, and then I lost to him in the finals, as as is you know my tradition. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a couple times I've I've done that, lose the first two back in the you know go five and two, and you're in the cut days. I'd lose two and come up the back ladder. So yeah. And is it true? I've heard that you've got a new sponsorship with a particular app that shares your namesake. Is that is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's not true. Yeah, <laughs> are uh, playing coy, you got to wait for the NDA to expire and all that. I understand That's exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to wait. I got to wait for my sweet, sweet app money to come in. All right, Merlin, what do you what do you got? Tell us about yourself. Um, I think my story is actually kind of the same as Chris's. I um, I played Star Wars Decipher and Star Trek Decipher. I don't think the game was actually dead when I started playing, but um, I met uh, another guy and he he played Unicorn and to Tori's army, I think it was, against me. And he just crushed me with cavalry constantly. So I decided that this couldn't go on. I had to start playing this game and I started playing Crane. I started playing like uh, Solitaire, as you do with Crane. And um, yeah, I started winning and kind of got hooked, I suppose, at that point. Um, I think I think the first set of decks that I started playing was back in Jade. So I must, I tell people that I've been playing for 20 years, but I actually haven't been playing for 20 years. It's more like 18 years or 17 years, whatever it is. Um, 
I took a, a bit of a break after I uh, finished high school and decided to go travel the world and things like that. And then I came back to Australia and lo and behold, there was a play group for Legend of the Five Rings again. And uh, I started playing and I made some really good friendships and I have just kept playing. Um, back in, I think it must have been 2015, I ended up winning a Kote in uh, 20 Festivals edition. And then shortly after that, I was, you know, to my to my bitterness, the, the news about the game being sold was announced and I would never get to see my name on a card. So I'm very upset about that. So now I have to go and play again and get better and go to Worlds and things like that so I can get my bloody name on a card. And you are a recent Hatamoto for the new game, is that true? It is true. I have no idea how I managed that. My arch nemesis, your... actually. My arch nemesis was at this event, right? Conan from trainer from Albury. I never, ever, ever win events that he's playing in. So that was, that was pretty fun. That was uh, a big boost to my ego. Cool. So I'll just go over my introduction to the game quickly. I was, my name's Bert. I was, uh, I lived in the States for a few years when I was in high school and I was like an atheistic, uh, vegan Aussie kid in the Midwest. So I was kind of a little bit of an outcast as you could imagine. And I went to my local gaming store and just started playing all sorts of games. I started off with Yu-Gi-Oh! And then uh, I saw this new game, Legend of the Five Rings, and there was a rat person in a kimono on the cover of one of the the starter decks, and I just immediately sold all of my Yu-Gi-Oh! cards and, and just went with that. So that's how I got into the game. I never played competitively, but um, that was my first card game love, along with Vitesse. And then uh, I played the Game of Thrones LCG competitively. I won Nats and a couple regionals. And then I took a few years off, and when I heard this was getting rebooted, I was like, all right, time to uh, to get back to the nerd dungeon and play some cards, and it was a lot of fun. I heard it was kind of therapeutic for you as well, getting out of Dota and things like that, getting off the rage train. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just say that uh, MOBAs make you a worse version of yourself in all <laughs> regards, and I was definitely balls deep into Dota, and uh, <laughs> yeah, my screams could be heard all, all around the neighborhood at like <laughs> But I, I don't rage in all 5R really, not not often anyway, so I like that about it. Um, my my flatmate is big into Dota 2 as well. So if you hear any like cursing and things like that that don't appear to be coming from me, that'll be him. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Dota's heating up too. International's coming up, so that's exciting. Anyway, so let's get stuck into some L5R. Um, we had some new spoiled cards announced a few days ago. Do we want to talk about any standouts? I don't really want to read out all the cards. No, uh, and go so through. Either. Yeah, I think I think most people who play L five R are fairly literate, so I don't think we need to read the cards. <laughs> yeah, there's an everybody, asterisk there. <laughs> everybody else is reading cards, so I mean, yeah, like some cool. of the people aren't literate, but that's cool. Like, all right, yeah. I'm going to start off. I think the uh, the crane bird duelist is just hilarious. Love the artwork. Uh, the effect <laughs> seems pretty strong too. What do you guys reckon? Covert. I like uh, I like all these creatures that they're bringing out. I love the fact that this guy can go in it's a bit funny when you see like the phoenix going into political conflicts and things like that so i i amuse i bemuse that kind of stuff yeah the kenku is pretty cool i think the ability is pretty cool as well it kind of um mimics a jewel right like if if you you choose a guy and that guy he, he's useless for the turn it kind of mimics a jewel effect in a way and he is a duelist yeah it's definitely a strong effect uh, I'm just actually going to get the spoilers up because I. Yeah, see, I, I, I thought we were going to do what the cards. Do. I thought right. we were going to do Evan Flow spoilers, so I had them. Yeah, we can talk card. about that too. What what out of that looks good to you guys? Dude, the new crab province, the flooded waste. Let's talk about flooded waste, water province, two strength. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, dragons got this really crazy row that um, is tough to attack into and all that type of stuff. I kind of feel like this holding, sorry, this province makes. The crab row just as difficult because the crab are, are really good at defending and they can certainly win defensive conflicts conflicts if they want to so if you don't want to get blown out by this province you kind of need to poke and if you start poking you're going to hit um what's the one where you're in win the ring on defense defend the wall and yeah so mm. if you start poking you're going to hit that and then they win the ring on defense or you they've got the shigenja out which wins the ring on defense so i feel like I feel like it makes it more challenging to attack into crab, which is good. Yeah. I think that um, it just really enhances the power of Ichi Wayfinder against crab. Like, 
crab, if you have the knowledge of their province, it makes their row really weak. And I think that flooded waste kind of plays into that unfortunate kind of weakness of crab's row. Yeah. Um, but I think that it also, because it's a water province and water's always been the one where they're like, well, basically we'll pick rally and put it on the box. Every once in a while you get a bit excited, you know, all nimbly bimbly and you're putting right on the streets on your box and then you're switching back to rally to the cause because <laughs> you, you realize like, oh, that was a poor choice. Yeah, but then flooded waste just opens up the possibilities. Crab might actually put a water province in their row. Hell, crab might actually go secret water, which I'm kind of keen for, you know? You could I think that's, that's in your fucking box. madness, Enzi. That is madness. Well, secret look, water. Like, this won't be the last mad thing you hear from me. So, <laughs> you know. I'm a fan of this. When I, my first instinct when I read it was that this thing is fucking strong. Yeah, and that I was don't mine think too. that yeah. the instinct is incorrect. I um, I think it's like a better rally, right? Like it's it's a guaranteed rally. It's just going to nerf all of the characters who are uh, participating in that one conflict. It's a one-shot province. So I think crab players will just slide it straight in for rally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whether or not it's in the row or the box, I think probably probably still on the box. It depends on your what sort of deck you're playing against, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I feel like against Dragon, you don't want to have it in your row because it's too strength and they just play Pathfinder's Blade. Um, it's a little harder to defend, but... And against like fast decks, like against Lion, you probably do want it in your row. Um, yeah, I think if this like Unicorn and, and Lion decks start becoming really fast and really wide, then I think Flooded Waste in your row, it, it's a, it can go in your row, it can go on your box. And I think that's why it's better than Rally. Rally kind of has to go on your box. Like the way that you've built your row, you're kind of pigeonholed into one way of playing it. Whereas if this is your water province, you can kind of, you know, play, play the matchup a little bit better as to what goes where. What do you guys think about this um, this Phoenix duel that, that you ha- you choose two Shigenjas to fight it out for glory? Yeah. Chris, you want to in say? The old game, in the old game, that card would have been terrible because you didn't have as well a spread of useful Shigenja. Um, I think there was a similar card at one point in the old game and obviously it didn't see any play. But in this game, where you've got useful Shigenja in every deck, it's like, okay, this is actually a card worth considering. Yeah, so you can hit you can hit me and Mystic if it's... Uh, they don't have to be participating characters, but it does have to be during a conflict. So I'm just thinking of the commonly played Shigenja with low glory, like me and Mystic, Kudaka is another one now that's in a lot of decks. She only has one. Uchi Wayfinder. Wayfinder, another good one. Zero glory on that one. Um, Ishken Initiate, like basically all the conflict Shigenja. And paying zero for a ring effect is really nice. Yeah, um, I agree. The only <laughs> thing is, uh, some matchups it's going to be a little bit dead. That's the problem. Yeah, and I think for that reason you actually, I think it's a one-of, you know, maybe a two-of in Phoenix. I don't think it sees a lot of play outside of Phoenix because I don't think people have a lot of high-glory Shigenja outside of Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's kind of cool in the Dishonor variant of Phoenix because, I mean, it means you have to put in more Shigenja, which is annoying, but um, that deck just needs a little bit more reach and it's going to be broken. I can tell you that um, from playing it a lot. Um, yeah. There are many, many games where I barely lose because they're on one or two one and I can't get the last hit. And so this, if you can get an air ring, a zero-cost air ring off um, in a clutch moment could be pretty strong. Well, yeah, I, think, talk- I think the reward is very strong, yeah. If we were going to talk um, ebb and flow, one of the standout cards for me is the Elemental Master of Water. I think this card, when we get a, a new role unlocked for the Worlds Tournament, I think this card will be really powerful. So you've got Seeker Kamis and this now this Jewel, which might be able to trigger Azunami without having to win a conflict, which would be really, really nice. Azunami, uh, man, what a beast. Yeah, a Tsunami. <laughs> Um, I really like my Ancestor's Strength as a splash card. Like, not really for Lion so much, but for Phoenix. Mate, you are fucking insane. That card is is bad. Dude, you in think? the Satoshi deck, you just mill yourself in my Ancestor's Strength. It's good. I guess if you can get if you can get Fushisho's stats on a on a one drop shark, it's kind of nice. It's value, man. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it does see play. The only problem is that if you're splashing Lion, you lose access to attachment control and. 
like lion splash is bad because lion's conflict deck is bad mm. <laughs> like nearly every other clan has a viable splash in some deck but lion yeah and it's only ever going to be as strong as the other characters that you're playing um and i think well in phoenix the characters that you're playing are a little bit understated for their costs which means that you're just playing a generally low statted kind of deck so there's that I'm excited for uh, Master of the Swift Waves. The I know it's been spoiled for a while now because um, Brad Andres was actually playing it at a Kotai in, a, in, a, in the team event. Mm-hmm. But um, that ability of switching positions is such a cool... It's like a, it's like a dual effect, right? It's like two movement effects in one. Really, really nice. You know what else is really good? One Glory. Yes, and the stat line is great. Three for a 3-2 yeah. uh, Shigenja. And it's Cav, you know? So... It's really good, actually. That and it means it means Unicorn could probably play Cloud now, like reliably, mm. if they want to. The other one that got spoiled recently that looks kind of funky is this another limit one per deck holding the Hidden Moon Dojo. Yeah, actually, I was talking to one of our other players today, Rob, who um, didn't think that this card was as good as all the hype. Um, he kind of felt like similar to Maze. There's actually a, a kind of a randomness to it. So on the one hand, it could flip on your right or left province, in which case kind of half of the effect is lost. Uh, or it could flip in the middle province and you, you, you know, occasionally you're going to be running other holdings. So it's going to flip up against something where there's another holding in place. So there seems to be kind of this wider floor and ceiling uh, to this card than originally we were thinking. One of the nice things about this is playing a character as if they were in your hand includes playing characters into conflicts. So it's yeah, like a, yeah. it's kind of like an always on ambush. Yeah. Uh, ambush is a little bit better value, but ambush is also cancelable, right? Yep. Um, and because it's uh, the the ability to play the characters is actually part of the passive effect. It means you can play two or three characters into the conflict when you use the action on it to turn the guy face up. Yeah. So I can see it being... I mean, it, it just plays into Scorpion's existing archetype, which is to pass first and often and um, and then play guys from hand. So I think it's probably... I mean, every pro, I think every Scorpion deck will be playing it, right? You yeah, don't not play this card. Well, it's a one in the deck, right? So you may yeah. as well, I feel. Easy. <clears throat> um... Nice. What was I going to say on that? Nope, can't remember. You know what? The else other is... card, the other card that's bonkers in this is Soul Beyond Reproach, the Crane one cost event that double honors a guy. I love that card. Yeah, the card's really strong. Because Crane have the air roll, it's actually playable in their deck. So that's, nice. <laughs> that's really nice. <laughs> Do you want to go on a fro top level rant about how you fucking despise roll locking? <laughs> no man, that guy rants better nah, than anybody I know. We'll leave so, that for the yeah. J Drum podcast. <laughs> He does enough for the rest of us. <laughs> I'm a great. big fro top nut hugger. I love that guy, man. He's he's great value. Yeah. So actually, right. should... I actually, I like fight on as well. You can say I'm crazy, but I think I'm going to try it out of Phoenix. Which one? The crab oh, splash the... yeah, fight yeah. on the yeah. water roll only. Yeah. So when you're defending player, she's a bad character. You control ready to move them into the conflict. Yeah. I mean, that is certainly a really strong effect, right? But well, my uh, yeah, it's like more straighten. I mean, <laughs> yeah, my only concern is that Phoenix has already got an abundance of straighten. I think I mentioned this in our last cast that um, I think maybe it's reaching saturation point where like every additional straighten effect is now no longer as like there's diminishing returns, right? If your entire deck is straighten effects, the 49th straighten effect is probably better served by Bonza. That's right. I think the thing is with Crab Splash in Phoenix is that charge is so powerful because you get the reprieve which means that that's your restricted slot when you go crab splash generally in phoenix so that means that you're not getting against the waves so that means that having another stand effect actually has some more value that you're not getting a diminishing returns curve so Um, yeah that might see play then i think i mean it's an incredibly strong effect whoever gets water roll is going to be pretty happy to to use this in the deck after worlds yeah i'll definitely i'll definitely give it a shot um, All right, do you guys want to I move think, on? I think I other than tattoo, everything like... we haven't touched on is uh, whatever. Okay, but go for it. So, Seeking the Truth. I can't remember if we talked about this on the last cast, did we? We did. We did? All right. You were hard really for remember. it. All right. So, just 
in brief then, so this is all the other cards that have plus two strength while they match the elemental role that your clan has, seems like they're no good in those clans because they're more difficult to break. But I think this one is actually going to see play. I'm certainly going to give it a shot because it's more difficult to break. So it causes your opponent to expend more resources to break. So I think this is a standout card. And mm. it's water, so, you know, water is a challenge. Water's not typically been a super good slot for provinces so this seems pretty good so you'd, you'd play this um in your row in a keeper yep of water deck aka phoenix right yep and i think yeah i think air might actually go onto the box i think i'll try that out for a while hmm and then you're playing uh the upholding authority via earth yes yeah so i think with this you might actually get kind of a devastating not a super devastating but a challenging row in phoenix yeah i like that like there seems to be a little bit of an equalization going on i mean like dragon and scorpion rows are still going to be by far the best but mm. um yeah that looks it could be okay i don't think it's a game breaking card or anything no like the fire the fire one is completely bonkers yeah the, we talked about it last week the uh the abandoning honor yeah absolutely bonkers oh Speaking of bonkers, you know uh, Glenn is going to be using Force of the River. You just know it. <laughs> he's going to bring along a deck, and he's going to have one guy in the conflict. He's going to be like, check this out. Attaches Force of the River. <laughs> Brings out all of his provinces. Yeah, this is this has got jank written all over it, but I do love it. <laughs> the cool part about this is that if you have multiples of them, when you bring out the first however many you get of the face down cards, they get replaced face down. You can bring out another lot. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I think you're better off playing Spreading the Darkness, though, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> right, that makes uh, that makes too much sense. That makes too much sense. <laughs> all right. So are there any other spoilers you guys want to talk about? I think we pretty much hit on all the cool ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's, think... let's move on. Uh, next little topic we got here is what what have you guys been enjoying playing recently in this little downtime while we're waiting for the meta to kind of even out? Hmm. Um, so as soon as Spreading the Darkness came out, I went straight for it, obviously. I did the same thing with Maze. But you know what? I think I, think I like Spreading the Darkness a bit more in the Phoenix deck, like the, just the aggressive tempo uh, military type deck. But yesterday you introduced me to this kind of dishonor theme and so now i think what i'm going to do is try and put together a bit of a more defensive dishonor style deck That's out what of I've been the sour moro saido the old yeah. province the old stronghold yeah but i think i want to try oh, the and one find, i was i want to try and find what i was querying you about yeah. yeah 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 what about you nz what have you been playing lately well, I've been playing a little bit of everything because I'm, I'm now in like three different tournaments and uh, I have no time for any of them. But, um... Oh yeah, actually, can we talk about that? You are you are <laughs> a dual citizen in a sense, a dual L5R citizen. You're, mm. you're trying out for an Australian slot in the World Cup and a Canadian one, is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm double dipping. <laughs> you dirty boy. <laughs> I am a dirty boy. So um, I got knocked out in a pretty fierce game by um, this guy from Gatineau, Quebec called Adam. Really good game, playing a really interesting Scorpion deck. Um, and all our decks for that Canadian Nationals tryout, they're all public. So you know from the beginning of the tournament what everyone's playing. Um, so once I realized what he was playing, kind of shit myself. I was like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And um, it's really strong. Run six cancel. Oh, six cancel crane? No, six cancel scorpion, and like with just conflict characters of the wazoo. Like it's it's just really good. So yeah, I hope I hope he actually makes the team. I really do. I think it's good, and I think he's a strong player. Nice. So what have you been playing yeah. otherwise? What sort of decks? Um. Well, right now I'm working on this dragon build. So running embrace the void, um, and uh, running the new uh, adopted kin card. So the idea is to get clouds and embrace on your opponent's characters and then kill them off. Um, I'm running five fires um, and a few other things just to remove them from play and get all that fate back and then get the embraces and the clouds back into your hands so you can play them again. Um, so it's just like a value kind of deck. 
Um, and it's kind of fun. Is it working so, out? I've only had a couple games. Only a couple games in with it. Um, but yeah, it seems good. Like Hawk Tattoo is pretty good to play it like aggressively as well. Kind of knock people out before they can attack you back. Um, bit of a kind of dragon control deck. So we'll see. Dragons kind of turned into my new pet clan of like just trying weird stuff out with. Really That's pretty cool because traditionally that clan is viewed as like a really dull solved clan. So it's cool that you're like exploring that. I think that sounds kind of interesting. If it, man, if it works out, it's going to be strong, right? It's just a little slow. It's the only thing I'd be worried about. Yeah, I think the like my biggest play mistake in my first game was I bought a Night Mitten Adept and I had a high kick and two hurricane punches in my hand. Um, and I was like, I had two monks in my province. And then afterwards, I was like, you idiot. Like, you needed a monk to, like, play all these cards. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, consumed. I was able to consume with an embrace and adopted kin, both in play on turn two, to get three fate back um, and wipe out a haughty magistrate and some other dude on turn two. So, like, the combo can kind of hit play pretty quick. Um, yeah, so I think it's got some legs. It's just... It's again, it's one of these kind of combo-y, higher skill level decks. So you're gonna, I'm gonna have to get a whole lot of reps in with it. it sounds like fun to play. I, mm. I've been playing a Phoenix Dishonored deck when I want to relax. That's my <laughs> like, like relaxing wind down deck because it's super easy to play. You just defend and and play the cards that are in your hand. Um, and it's it's you can high roll really hard with it. So it's it's got a little bit of a lion flavor. Like you, like what I do against Ben, where I just flop. Uh, my Imperial Palace and my two libraries, uh, turn one, that sort of thing. That's what I love about that deck. And then uh, I've been playing a lot of Hisul uh, Moretori uh Lion, Explosive Lion, which has been fun, um, but unwieldy. And hmm. I've found that against like uh, expert players who are ready for what you're trying to do, um, it kind of falls flat. But it's just a lot of fun to play. So I've been just just trawling the Jigoku, the depths of Jigoku with those two decks what, a lot. What do expert players do against that deck? Well, you just invest on defending and you um, rely on your provinces and you just sort of nullify. Isn't that, isn't that the trap though? Like I thought that that deck would have been more aggressive and be able to kind of overwhelm the defense. Well, for example, I play, I played against Beishi Noman the other day. Shout out to Noman. And I um, sent in a uh, solo um, Matsu Berserker and I hit Shameful Display. He defended and used Shameful as his first action and I played Spreading the Darkness into like a, a Legion of One and so on and so on to break. It had a palace on it as well. Mm. And then he just played a, um, a Cunning Magistrate into the conflict and completely turned off my entire turn. And then for the rest of the game, I was dead. So, like, one a single card can completely nullify your entire strategy. Like, if you if you yeah. mistime something or if you fuck something up, you just fall on your face. There is it's it's completely unforgiving that archetype. Hmm. Um, so it's a bit of fun, and it, you can explode out the gates and break three provinces. But most of the time, you kind of just uh, does that gets... kind of stuff. Does that kind of stuff mean things like route? Uh, sort of see more play in that deck. Yeah, I, I'm, I was playing routes, but yeah, they yeah. just got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with this sort of intermediate meta. I didn't know if I was going to, but it seems like a lot of players... Like, Jigoku has been swimming with new decks, which I really enjoy. Yeah. There's a lot of cool cool archetypes coming out. Is uh, is pack three on Jigoku yet? No, there's been a no, bit of delay. Yeah. Yeah, I think the guy who runs Five Rings DB has been on vacation. So and and Jigoku pulls all the card images right. and text from Five Rings DB. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. Yeah. Shout out to all those guys for for doing all that great work because definitely a big part of my renewed interest in the game has been enabled by pl being able to play online. It's really awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. In fact, if I yeah. if there was something like this from back when I was playing Conquest, it would have been super useful. I'm really glad, you know, Jigoku and Firezings DB exist. They're great. Yeah, like as a new father, I can't go to any events, but yeah. I can do all this digital stuff just fine. So 
fantastic. Speaking of digital stuff, there's just a ton of it out there, right? Like, I think originally we're all aware of like Discord League and things like that. And then I was aware, obviously, of the Australian one. And I hear that there's like a European one. But now there's like uh, Southeast Asia. Um, there's like a Singaporean uh, tournament going on online. And then there's the Canadian one that you're in ends. And the, um, there's a local guy, Ray, who's playing in a European, like a UK event. What was it called? Seven Thunders or something. It's really cool. cool. There's, there's just tons the, of it out there. The Southeast Asia um, cohort uh, we're going to have a special guest from from that group next week, actually, hopefully. Um, they're doing like a community-run series of events where Australia is going to have like a premier event. Uh, Singapore will have a premier event, and they're going to have one, you know, in a few different regions that are all going to be part of this league, which will be really cool. Yeah. I think Can CanCon next year in Canberra will be the Australian event, which will be awesome. CanCon's great. I loved CanCon last year. That was the best time ever, right? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty special <laughs> just cases and cases of beers <laughs> vegan nachos and vegan nachos, uh, mate. bunk beds man and yeah, cards are playing the car on the way up yeah all good fun all right all right so... speaking of um let's go archetype predictions yeah like for worlds well this is yeah, this is a question for more like end, end of this end of this third uh of this second arc what what decks are we expecting to be the best decks? Yeah, what decks I guess that goes into the world, the the road to worlds as well. Like from now, or like end of the arc until worlds, what are we expecting to see at worlds? That's mm. yeah, it's a really tough question. I can tell you, I can maybe I'll talk about Phoenix because that's kind of all I know. So I think going into worlds, I'm I'm predicting that they're going to have two roles available. One of which is a seeker role so i think in phoenix we're going to see uh seeker i'm really hoping that it's seeker avoid because uh what's his what's that attachment jurgen's curse looks mm. like a hell of a like that looks like a lot of fun to play with you combine that with something like five fires and embrace the void and things like that which you can play all in clan and then you like i was saying before you can use Azunami to trigger uh water and things like that i'm really looking forward to that deck i think it could be strong that sounds like an absolute nightmare to play against the phoenix yeah. seeker avoid i'm i'm gonna vomit every time i have to play against that <laughs> i feel but like, i agree that yeah that'll be a strong deck yeah. that'll be a very strong deck i feel like uh the keeper side of things it might tend towards maybe dishonor i feel like um the champion and the new weapon attachment the ancestral sword of the phoenix and things like that really all culminate into a very defensive style deck so i think that'll see a resurgence yep uh all right i think for me personally the dragon crab build is still going to be busted as all hell um whether or not monks actually end up inserting themselves into that deck or not i hope they do because i like the cards but that uh, remains to be seen but even if they restrict feast or famine which i think there's like rumblings on the internet about that probably happening i still think that deck's going to be one of the best decks um and uh crab crab's going to be good yeah crab are going to keep their um slow burn defensive um sort of bleed your resources and attack you when you're weak kind of uh, archetype I think that's yeah. just getting more cards. Like unicorn right? splash. Yep. Yep. Uh, and they're going to be pulling bids lower earlier, which is scarier to play against, really. Um, when you have to start thinking about honor a turn or two earlier than you expect, it's really, really tough. Yeah. Um, Lion's still going to be crap. Uh, unicorn. Unicorn might actually get good. Like, the rumor is that their stronghold in the last pack is going to be a clone of the Lion one. And if that's the case, I think they're going to make really good use out of it. And probably be a fearsome, a fearsome deck. The only worry is that Karada District um, is like a death sentence for their for their conflict deck. So we'll see if um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think I'm excited for them. Um, you know, you Scorpion know what else makes, good. You know what else makes Crab strong is the sabotage. Their ability to use sabotage. Oh man, I'm so salty about that card, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the salt mines for both. a week. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Unicorn, think... you, you were saying, um, what have you enjoyed playing recently or what have you been playing? I've really enjoyed Unicorn. Like, I, 
I, I never thought that I would, but I do. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, Unicorn's great. Yeah, I think I think if Unicorn ends up being a contender, you know, even if it's just tier two or one point five, that it's gonna blow things wide open. It's just gonna change the whole meta. There's gonna be a massive shakeup. It makes predictions really, really hard. Yeah. I'm also I just hope- really enjoying having seven clans in the game, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you like I, I used to go with that but take seven. I used to go on competitive tag on Jigoku, and when my opponent would show up with Unicorn, I'd type in all chat, like, are you serious, man? Like, I'm, I want to play a competitive game. <laughs> you can't really do that anymore. <laughs> you troll. Who are we missing? <laughs> Crane. Jay, Jay's a little bit down on Crane at the moment. What do you guys think about Crane? I'm Jay a little worried about Crane. I don't think they've gotten much juice since core. They're in a similar spot to Lion, where I think they did well at World Championships, and a little. I think probably a few of their cards get taken away from them. It's my guess in testing and stuff because of that. Um, but they are getting like Game of Sedane is really nice. The one cost jewel that lets them dishonor the loser, and if you win, you get honored. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I think they that the, they get the like the maze, the maze. I can swim. Mark of Shame splash deck will be a lot of fun the murder murder deck don't know how good it will be um you know one card i think that's been underrated is bonsai garden it's been really helping me avoid dishonor like the other day i actually saved six honor with bonsai garden um in a game really wow yeah but um i think i don't think crane will be made like at worlds i don't think crane will be making a splash like they might they might make the cut and then they might make one or two games into the cut but after that i think they'll get knocked out I'm expecting to see Dragon and Crab be the two best clans still, I think. I think Scorpion will be in there. Scorpion have got plenty of good tools uh, to deal with the field. And I think there's plenty of time between the sixth pack and Worlds for them to figure out the combination of cards that'll keep them strong. Yeah, and Scorpion have got like a really interesting choice of splash. Like They've got probably three or four different splashes that actually can win, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Yep. I think Crane have a few good players that will do well regardless of how we think Crane does overall. Um, and yeah, I think we'll be surprised by some of the Crane placings. I will admit yeah. that I, um, I'm not really sure what to do against Crane because I don't see them a lot locally. I think they're, yeah. they're, they do have a very strong player base especially the European cranes like crane crane was doing so well in co-ties over in Europe and just getting absolutely clobbered in the States. And anytime there's that level of disparity, it's down to the player skill of, of those clans. I think like they have got a lot of talented cranes in, in Europe who I think many of them will have been players who enjoyed the old game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things is crane was so different in the old game as well, that I think that maybe it's been really hard for a lot of players to adjust. Um, you know, that sit back, kind of just build your defenses, build honor, clock type deck doesn't translate well into new 5R. Yeah, no. yeah not, not yet anyway, and hopefully not ever. But um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see where Crane goes. I think that there's some design space that really needs to be explored there, like duelists and and uh, the wind-blowing Asahinas. <laughs> I hope they, uh, they flesh those out. All right, shall, shall we move on to listener, listener questions? Yeah, let's do it. There's tons, so we right? We got like yeah, we got a few. Yeah. Um, first one is any plans to go into iTunes? Yeah, we're already on iTunes. Uh, check us out. <laughs> uh, I think next one, one of the things about that just just is that when we share the cast socially, sometimes we've been missing the Podbean and sometimes we've been missing the iTunes. I know when I shared it a couple of times that I only had one or the other and had to go back and fix it. So right, okay, yeah, yep. Shout out to us for fucking that up. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next. um, uh, Justin Norman just asks, I'm a veritable noob to the game, but I know a lot of the lore surrounding it. What's the best steps for a newbie getting started in this? Uh, Just grind it out. (laughs) It's quite an open question. Um, I would suggest decide if you enjoy the game first by by learning and playing on Jigoku. and if you enjoy the base mechanics, buy some cores with your friends, start playing. 
uh, and just avoid the Lion Clan. That's what I would say. Yeah. Inst- wow, you're so salty. <laughs> and yeah. didn't you have a friend that was recently trying to get into the game and you wanted a deck for him or something? Oh, me? Yeah. Yeah, so we actually played last night. Um, so what I did was I gave him my exact copy of my current crab deck. And so we played a mirror match, which, you know, most people hate mirror matches, but it was actually really good because I could take him through all the steps of what I was doing and talk him through all the steps of what he could be and should be doing in order to play it optimally. Um, and, you know, I think he had a pretty good experience. So shout out to, to Zave um, for, you know, taking that step with me. Good. Cool. All right, should we go to the yeah. next question? Yep. Uh, Thomas Vandenberg, he asks, since mecha- a lot of mechanical or event questions have been asked until death, let's get personal. How did you first enter the world of Magical Samurai? And how did you decide on clan? I think we kind of did that in the intro. Um, but yeah, Rattling was my first clan. I fucking love the rats. Yeah. I think I started out as playing Crane. I don't know why. Like, I like this idea of dueling and stuff. But I eventually just kind of went to Phoenix because my name's Merlin and it seemed appropriate. <laughs> Dude, when I first met you, I thought for sure that you were just someone who was very into Legend of the Five Rings and your yeah. real name was not Merlin. Speaking, speaking <laughs> of which, shout out to Merlin, right? Like the only other Merlin that has even entered my, you know, sphere of consciousness. Yeah, so I met. I actually met this other Merlin. Yeah, that's right. I first saw him when you were in San Fran, and he was on the list. I'm like, wait a second, I know that name. Yeah, so there are there are two ginger Merlins who are diehard (laughs) Phoenix players in Legend of the Five Rings. Yes, and and I as well. It was like Bizarro World, man. (laughs) Like I went up there, and he was playing the hard Dishonored deck. So he was playing the exact opposite to you, and I was like, holy shit, dude, crossing over the uh, equator really. Jumbles things up. <laughs> Mere universe, man. But he was a great guy. He's actually best mates with um with Alex, aka jokingly, the, the guy who won, the crab player. So oh, sweet. They got a really strong little mini meta there where they, they test their decks together. Yeah. Really strong player. Hey Merlin, if you're listening, are you going to Worlds? Because we totally should do I, I don't know if anybody listened, but we did like a giant group cast at the last Worlds. We should do that again and you should be on it so that we can we can have like a double Merlin world breaking void ripping podcast. Yeah, dude, you could have a Merlin on Merlin fireside chat. Wow. <laughs> what is Merlin? Brought to you Merlin? by Grinder. <laughs> Sponsored by. Speaking yeah. of void ripping. All right. So shall we move on to the next question? Please. All right. In, in your opinion, this is from Ray Dent, uh, local Scorpion diehard. Shout out Ray. In your opinion, what would be the quickest and easiest way to FFG for FFG to better balance the power of the seven clans? Oh, well, God. this is a very, very deep question, and we aren't really game designers, so all we can really do is speculate. But I'll try. The first thing I would do is um, Arata Shameful Display to be one ring effect, and then probably outright ban Feast and restrict Restoration of Balance. Uh, those are the things that I would do that would make the biggest impacts for clan balance, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the problem with this game has never been the game mechanics. It's always been the cards that they print. Because if you look at the game mechanics, it's actually really, really a very beautiful, you know, symmetric, you know, kind of uh, mechanical system. So I think if you really wanted balance, you would stop printing cards that break um, certain aspects of that um, that balance, right? Like the, the game design, things like recursion and so forth. Yep, and then the I other think, thing I'd be be worried about is just the the power of saves. There's just a few too many saves. Yeah, I go on go on Grinder. I think that the game needs all seven factions, or however many factions you're going to have, because the rock paper scissors component of L5R has always been one of its strongest balancing factors. So if you ever only have a game of six, you know, Legend of the Six Clans, you have an imbalance problem because there's unicorn in this case, is a hard counter to clans like Scorpion. always has been. Um, now, Cavalry doesn't work quite the way it used to. Um, so maybe that's another factor. Maybe Cavalry, they've been a bit too cautious about, and they've kind of, you know, written it down. Um, the other thing is only having two victory conditions. We don't really have three victory conditions right now. So being able to actually win by honor and actually having it competitive um, 
really helps to bring a, a whole different axis of balance to the game. Yeah, and it influences great like deck building and stuff. Yeah. That's a great answer, and I'll just add on to that, that I think right now there is there is a rock, paper, scissors, but one of the aspects isn't there, and that's we have big tower Voltron big guys and hard control, and aggro is kind of absent. Like the aggro, the unicorn and lion decks are just not strong enough to compete, and so there is a little bit of a... Um, a uh, little bit of a, a, a homogeny to the top cuts in tournaments for that reason. So I hope that, you know, they fix that up a bit. Cool. Uh, okay, so next question. This is from our good mate Rob of the Traveling Ronan podcast, um, another local Melbourne guy. He asks, <laughs> humorously, is Corset Dishonor still viable? Because this is the only <laughs> deck that Rob has played since the inception of L5. <laughs> Can I... Can I clarify Rob's question? Rob's not asking, yep. is Dishonor still viable? He's asking, is Corset Dishonor with just the cards that I own, because I haven't bought any of the recent cycle, is that still viable? Because that's because <laughs> all I can do is turn up at tournaments with my old deck. Oh man, I love this question. I love I love the pretext. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think though? Uh, I think definitely, absolutely. I don't think you can bid one on turn one, but I think every other aspect of defensive dishonor is 100% viable. Yep, I agree. You can't yeah. bid one turn one, but I think from turn two onwards, you can kind of pull bids down. Look, as long as your deck has a scorpion mod on it, you're, you're in the competition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so um, this will be the last question. This is from uh, Baz Shepard, who's a prominent community member, a guy who runs Imperial Visor stats and he's also on the podcast there uh awesome dude so shout out to you baz seriously uh, he says event coverage baz good work yep uh he says the french players are working out how to do their own player run tournament if you guys could design your own dream tournament what would it look like with regards to roles rounds top cut challenges facilities prizes etc so i suppose for this question we should uh think about what we would do in australia and what our dream format would be do you guys want to kick things off well, do we want Open. to mention? Do we want to mention the player-run tournaments that we already have run? Like yeah, Can, like yeah. CanCon, right? Can shout out, shout out to you, Merlin. Oh well, yeah, yes. your, it's a tiny local thing. Any role tournament series, which was awesome. Yeah, that was. Yeah, so we unlocked roles. That was fun. Yeah, that's one thing I would do is unlock the roles. I would love to do a team tournament like a three-man team tournament where you draft the clans in between each round. So every player shows up with a deck from, you know, however many of the clans they can play. So say you might pick two or three clans that you yourself can play, and then each you play up against a team, and then you each have a ban. One clan you ban your opponents from being able to play, and then you draft the, the other, the other sounds, six Sounds factions. a lot like Captain's Draft from Daredevil. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that would be really cool. Like some sort of... Um, or even another cool idea would be drafting provinces where like you, if, if your opponent wants feast or you unlock provinces and you say, if your opponent wants feast, then you get to take shameful display or resto or whatever. I think that would be kind of cool too. As for like facilities and prizes, I, I, I've always been a big fan of um, community fundraising and getting unique to the tournament prizes that either have um, like uh, insignias from the event or some sort of logo and I also love like stuff like katanas or like if you could get a kimono as a prize that would be fucking awesome yeah yeah I like I still have to... my topping clan crab from Portland Cote like I don't know 2012 or something like that box where it's like engraved wood and it's like it's just one of the best prizes ever because like it's a memento you've got the time period you just know what it's from yeah, priceless. Yeah, it's like mixing in a trophy into a into something you'll use. So then you have a memento and a functional, you know. I think that's cool. So um we've done we've done some local tournaments kinda like that. And the structure that we used was the first couple of events was mostly around community building. So we had the open roles so people could play whatever roles they felt like they wanted to. Um, and some people played the official roles, that was fine, because that's what they're used to, and some people played roles that they'd never played before. Uh, Enz, you played uh, Seeker of Air <laughs> in Phoenix, that was really cool. Keeper, Keeper Keep, of Air. Keeper of Air, yeah. Dude, then, there's nothing like attacking any ring to get your... It yeah. is so good, and 
Phoenix players who are going to be, you know, in a decision-making position at world keeper of air. Keeper of air. Seriously consider of it. Yeah. Yeah. Consider it awesome. And then in terms of prizes and facilities and things, um, before this game came out, I went on a big spending spree and bought a whole bunch of old L5R boxes and tokens and sealed product and stuff like that, which we ended up using as prize support. And I think that stuff's really good. Um, oh, man. I've got some of that loot and it is fucking great. Like that Shadows Embrace box with all the, the yeah, right. acrylic dividers for each clan. I use that every day. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I know that uh, Daniel, one of the local guys who won the Forgotten Legacy box, the big long box, he's he's in love with that. Yeah. Well, that thing's got a high street value too. Yeah. Until he realizes that anything at the end of the box under the sword hilt's a pain in the ass to get to, but, you know, he'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the old game, right. you didn't have quite so many tokens. In this game, it's great storage space. I played... Just... When that came out, I was playing Fox Corrupt fox clans i had so many tokens you don't even <laughs> want to just one more thing on this topic um well when gen con is coming up right so if you've got a friend or if you've got friends from the was it the french playgroup going to gen con there's the artists exhibition there right and plenty of the l5r artists go there so you can get signed cards and artwork and maybe even tokens and stuff that type of stuff would be really cool too and relatively cheap all right, and I've got one last thing to do. Um, shout out to Monkeys and Pirates, uh, local player, and he manages and runs the Deck of Five Rings app, which is a sweet app that you can uh, check out all the recent spoilers and build decks on it and stuff. It's really awesome. Yeah, I absolutely love that app. That's yeah, the great. app where I go and look up all my rulings on. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's got all the rulings for every card like at, at your fingertips. It's really handy if you're in yeah. the middle of a game and you need to check. And crazy easy searching too. Uh, all right, so that's going to wrap us up for tonight, I think. Um, in future episodes, we're going to be looking at uh, the coming Worlds meta more in depth, kind of trying to pick apart which roles we think are actually going to be seen to be played at these events. Yeah, and we should talk uh, about our practice and stuff like that, what we've learned on the way. Absolutely. And uh, next episode, we should have another playtest session under our belt so we can recount Tales of Glory from that. Um but yeah, that's us for tonight. Do you guys have any last uh, words, Melon? Um, no, maybe shout out, shout out to the Jade Throne podcast. Um, we seem to be giving everybody shout outs uh, at the moment, but definitely shout out to the Jade Throne. Those guys are awesome. All right. Andy. Yeah, shout out to Imperial Advisor. They gave us a shout out like last week, so <laughs> shout out back to you. Beautiful. All right. Thank you for listening, Rekha Gun. Good night. <laughs>